Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. My name is Rob Woods and this is the show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas for how to raise more money, really enjoy their job and make a bigger difference even during the pandemic. Firstly, thank you ever so much to everyone who's been sharing episodes of this podcast with your followers on social media and with your colleagues. I really do appreciate your help in spreading the word so that as many charities as possible can benefit from the ideas. And if you're a major donor fundraiser or you manage someone who is and you try to stay forever curious about ways to improve your skills and your results, then I hope you're going to find today's episode useful because today I'm excited to share an interview with an excellent fundraiser named Paul Davies. Paul works for a fantastic orchestra and charity called Manchester Camerata and I first met him in January 2020 when he began the Major Gifts Mastery Programme that we run over six months for major donor and trust fundraisers. I wanted Paul to share some of his learnings and fundraising experiences on the podcast because not only has he made wonderful use of the ideas from the course, including securing the largest major gift his charity has ever received and getting several other stunning results to get their brand new appeal off to the best possible start in its first two weeks, but also because I noticed through our conversations that he's thought deeply about many crucial concepts that make a big difference to the results you get, and because I've found he has a really fresh, engaging way of explaining these distinctions. I've come away from all my conversations with Paul, more focused on certain key ideas that make a difference, and, just as important, more energised by fundraising altogether. I really hope you enjoy this Bright Spot conversation too. This episode of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast is brought to you by Bright Spot Mastery Programmes. So if you need to increase income in corporate partnerships or major donor and trust fundraising, these programmes will help. As well as the advanced strategies you learn on the training days, you receive one-to-one coaching to help you put those powerful techniques into practice. To find out more about the Corporate Mastery and Major Gifts Mastery programmes, head over to brightspotfundraising.co.uk. Paul Davis, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Yes, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks for making time to chat. So, uh, that the listener can get a sense of it. You work for Manchester Camerata, your head of communications and development. Do you want to give us a, a tiny top line bit about that charity? So we're an orchestra and charity that essentially puts communities first. And um, we do many different things, um, whether that's playing and touring Mozart, whether it's doing an orchestral rave at Glastonbury or pioneering dementia therapy, um, we make a difference to people's lives. Fantastic. Yes. And I've enjoyed over the last six months hearing a little bit more about the difference the charity makes because you took part in the Major Gifts Mastery Programme this year for the first six months of 2020. Uh, Just before we get into some of the key things you learned, what was it like to do the Major Gifts Mastery Programme anyway? And I guess this year of all years. Um, It was really nice meeting everyone initially and there was a real fraternity of we're all fundraisers, we've all got um, these opportunities and challenges and and fears in in doing the job and all of that and kind of it was a real community and um, really nice to share that, um, that, that experience with people and get to know other people and learn from what they're doing and then lockdown hit 
and it became <laughs> even more helpful and almost like really timely for me because it was like having this sounding board and support around you and someone running alongside you almost spurring you on so it's been it's been gold to me mm. Fantastic. Yeah, many people have said that uh, having that group of people in their corner doing their best to, to raise philanthropic gifts, even at this difficult time, just that solidarity has been hugely helpful in addition to the content. And in terms of the some of the key distinctions you learned from the training days or through the coaching, you, you and I had a a chat the other day and you were telling me some really interesting bits of progress you've made in your understanding and and in your your practice so do you want to tell me what one or two of the things that you've taken from the program so it's fundamentally helped my confidence and um almost my mindset to fundraising um so I feel like how I approach meetings, how I conduct meetings or events or coffees is just completely different. And it's, I, I kind of go to meetings really excited and um, almost um, more curious than I ever did and open and kind of focus on making the person I'm meeting their life better in, in some or easier in some way and finding out more about them and their world than going to talk which was was kind of it was more more talk than listen before and I've, I've really I've really benefited from that and I enjoy I enjoy it so much more now and it's it's so much more effective <laughs> and yes. it's, it's it's kind of a lot more about about the relationship and kind of marinating in that and 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 seeing the the fruits of it yeah it makes such a difference i know it's kind of easy to say and many of us are aware of the importance of truly being open to hearing how the other person is doing and everybody talks about the importance of listening but actually in practice early in one's career as a fundraiser it can be surprisingly hard to do that in in practice so um what would you say about kind of how you've made that shift and the implications that now you have made that shift to to have the confidence to approach meetings in that more of a win-win way? How's that come about or what are the implications of that for you? So there's sometimes a lot of things to say about your charity. And sometimes the, the, when I say talk more than listen, sometimes there was there's sometimes a feeling of pressure that I must not leave any stone unturned about our charity rather than um, just really quickly give a bit of an overview and then just listen and relax into the conversation. And then as people are people, you focus on what they care about and where there's, there's mutual ground and a matching to be had rather than every, because everything we do is really amazing but it's not necessarily of interest to everybody and that's it's just kind of grasping that whole it's so obvious when you say it out loud but it's it, it's transformational really and that win-win I think that that's the mindset of fundraising isn't a dirty word it's not all about money and it's what I how I approach meetings really is now this is something that makes people feel good. You know, if if you're giving to something you care about, that makes you feel good and it makes good stuff happen. And so 
it's like you say, it's win-win. Um, and that mindset has been a real gear change. But, and it makes, it makes the whole thing just really enjoyable. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And A, makes each of those meetings enjoyable. B, it helps solve another important challenge for a fundraiser, which is the excitement and enthusiasm to go the extra mile to get more conversations yes. because they're going well rather than sometimes they're a bit awkward and pressured. Yeah. And they, so we've, we've just launched a, what is our recovery appeal, appeal during COVID? And we've, we've taken a really considered approach. We've taken our time about it. We did nothing knee jerk. And, and that, that came from fundal, fundamentally why we exist and what impact we want to make. And therefore, what is our ask to people? It's not just about survival. It's about what impact we want to make with people's investment in us. And so that. That, that's kind of been a considered approach, but now I'm at the stage of talking to people about it. I'm, I'm prioritizing getting meetings in my diary and my diary hasn't been fuller. Like I, I could be doing, um, say, a handful of meetings a month. Now I'm, I've, I've, I've got six key meetings a week, which are really important meetings in my diary. And I've found that just jumping on the phone to somebody... Um, I was saying to you that the amount of yoga classes or um, leisure activities I've interrupted by just calling people just to get a meeting has been super productive because I'm interacting. I've got a little um, informal interaction with them, which you, you, you kind of, it's helpful anyway, because you find things out about people and it just helps your relationship already. And, and kind of when you go into the meeting, you've got a bit of a human connection anyway, because you know what's going on in their life. And, and it, it, it all helps you just to, um, again, it's just relationship building, but it's, it's, it's nuances that really matter. So a couple of things I wanted to pick up on there. The, the first was, did you say that before, six months ago, you might have had three or four conversations with supporters a month, and now you're up to five or six a week? Did Three. I hear that correctly? Yeah. So that's that's quite a, a big turnaround. But the, the, the game changer has been just getting on the phone. Emails just take forever. And, you know, email is just something for us all to do. And yet picking up the phone um, just helps the relationship, but also gets stuff done. And I'm, I just feel more productive for it. Yeah. And, and, and then it has a knock-on effect in terms of the cash raised as well. Yeah. And um, as you know, this is such a key theme of the of my philosophy on fundraising or certainly high value fundraising. And uh, I've been talking to, to lots of other people who've, who've made this kind of a shift. So just to be clear for the listener, uh, it's not appropriate to be calling people who don't support your charity, no, but no, no. even when they already care and they already support you and you've got their phone number and uh, therefore it is appropriate for you to, make contact in this way rather than the safer feeling way of sending an email um, your experience of becoming braver in that way has been richly rewarded and it sounds like it's one of the key reasons why you're getting so many conversations with people who care about your cause now uh, and it's not surprising that that also that's helping turn into results just one thing to pick up is usually you don't pick up the phone and then expect to have the whole conversation there and then no. But rather than send an email to request a proper chat, you pick up the phone to request a proper chat 
often they pick up and then they're only too happy to put something in the diary for next week, for instance. Yeah. And it's always, um, yeah, because I want to consider chat and conversation with people, but it's always that what's next, which was another thing that was really useful on the course. Um, I think my mindset sometimes was, and it's just, it's just your negative chatter. Sometimes it's, it can be on the negative side than positive. So with just calling someone and it is our supporters, it would be, um, they might think I'm bothering them or I can't just interrupt their life or maybe I can't. And they're just barriers. And actually I had one person say, lovely to hear your voice. And, and, and this was somebody that I, I've had a growing relationship with, but I, you know, you, it, it's grown all the more because of that. And now I, and I'm having really enjoyable meetings with them and, and it, yeah, it's going well. So, but it's almost that next, what's the follow-up? What's the next step? And again, I'm not being pushy by saying that because it's a, this was great. You know, when can I talk, when can we check in or, you know, just setting a next, a next day and next action. Yes. And that again, it sounds easy and obvious in a way, but one only relaxes into feeling that that is the most natural thing in the world to say if you've truly embraced the philosophy that people enjoy giving to a cause they care about, which is different from where some charities are at, which is, please, can I get money so that we can pay for stuff? You've you've taken to heart one of the exercises we did in the programme that really helps us emotionally embrace the notion that if someone ends up giving generously to a cause they care about, you know, they're not, their life does not become poorer. Generally, their life becomes richer in the the deepest sense of the word. And in the same way, this helps with um, rejection, for want of a better word. Um, Not everybody wants to give to our charity. And that's right and true enough because our, our charity, like other charities, is amazing. We make amazing impact. But in terms of if you get a a no or a no right now, you know, it's not for me right now, but maybe it will be in the future. That's all good. And it almost helps you manage your own expectations. And I know it comes into you doing um, your research and all of that, but sometimes it's even in a conversation, you, that's all good. That's not, that's not a, that's not a bad thing or something that you need to kick yourself about. It's a, it's all part of it. And it's, it's really exciting. And again, it has it has real impact. They make real impact with us. Yeah, and part of that, not taking it personally, being okay whether they decide they do want to give today for their reasons or they don't want to give today for their reasons, being okay with that comes right back to one of the fundamental things we were talking about earlier, which is your goal is not to go out and get money no. or get people to give money, but... If a key goal is to go and have as many conversations as you can with people who care about this cause, then you're just working, working the process. And some of those people, for their reasons, are going to be moved to want to give. Yeah. And when when I am asking people to consider giving a contribution and, you know, and we can be specifically talking about an amount of money, you know, that that again, I. I feel I can be, I relax into that. It's not a, oh, this is the bit or, you know, this is the part where we're talking about um, supporting us or it feels, I feel happy about it. I feel I can actually be quite direct about it. And, you know, you're, you know, the person you're talking to, but 
yeah, I think that's the best way I can say it. Relaxed into it. I feel like it's a, it excites me. It doesn't unnerve me. Mm. And I think I remember at one point you said that um, having all some fundamental principles of good steps in a good donor meeting, something I called the, the fundraiser's donor meeting checklist, you mentioned yeah. that tool you found really helpful and even after all this experience, you, you still look at that uh, most days before your meetings. Yes. Without mentioning any names or giving away any details, could you just bring to life, for instance, with one example you're, you're pleased with of, of a, a meeting or an ask meeting that's gone well? Yes. Okay. So we, we started this fundraising appeal a couple of weeks ago um, and one of the first meetings I did um, was with a current supporter um, and I, 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 I went through all this in my mind beforehand. I, I kind of got myself in the zone. I've always been very prepared for meetings before I did this course, but sometimes I, I could even be hastily walking to a meeting or... And, what I'm doing now is zoning into everything I've learned and that mindset before I go to a meeting. And, and the key part of that is how can I, as I've said, like make life easier for this other person and really listen to them. Um, so this meeting we had quite early on, um, uh, I, I talked the person through our plan. Um, and I started off with, um, the problem we're facing and the, our solution and the impact we want to make, which is very impact driven and focused, which um, and all the things that chime with this person um, specifically. And they, they have given us what is the largest gift an individual has ever given our charity. And it's a five figure gift, but it's a significant amount and everybody feels good about it. Yeah, but I, I guess it's also knock-on effects of that huge result in terms of morale for your your colleagues or even some of the musicians Absolutely. who might might be you know understandably some of their morale might be taking some knocks in the last four months. The implications mm. of you helping that donor do a wonderful generous thing are far-reaching. Yeah, and interestingly enough, it was that was one of the very things that helped that person give more than they actually said in the meeting initially. And, and they were almost um, asking, asking me to help them see the higher amount. And that, that was one of the things that really, really did it for them because our musicians are, um, as we all know, at home, redundant, their livelihood is at risk, but their mental health is as well. And we need to get them playing again um, for them and for our communities. And, and that really resonated with the person. Mm. Congratulations, Paul, for putting all this in, into practice. So you are at this stage of the appeal, you literally launched a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I don't want to jinx anything. Everybody knows that these things are a long haul. However well you're doing, however generous donors are being, uh, we we must not be complacent. No. But two weeks in, what are the results so far that you could be pleased with? 
So we are at a third of the target and it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a big amount, the target, and we're a third of the way within two weeks. But again, I, I can only say that's testament to this course. Mm. Thank you. Congratulations on, on all the hard work involved. And so, Paul, in terms of distinctions you've learned about what to say when it's our turn to do the talking about how how our charity makes a difference. I remember you said that using real examples has become clearer for you and easier for you. Could you give me an example of of how you might use real example or story when you're talking to some supporters? What's helpful is now we I, I can quickly spot where we are trying to get something in that's clearly important to us and is no doubt important, but it's essentially filler. And it's cutting out, it's almost like what you don't say, what you cut out, because essentially it could all be important, but what's going to chime with a donor? And I always keep saying to the team, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a donor. And that's not disregarding our plan, but by putting yourself in the shoes of that donor, you're going to get that match in your head because that's the match bit is the only way you're going to get support. So it, it's been really helpful in, in spotting and helping the team spot what's filler. There's a young guy we work with um, who, who has dementia and um, he's, he's in his 30s. And so um, we, we work with people, people who, older people who have dementia, but people who have young onset and that, you know, that can be quite early on. Um, and so there's this, this, this young man um, used to be in a band. He he loves and adores music and had and had quite a rich musical life. And at the start of the the sessions that we were doing, he he just looked very withdrawn and um, like almost like he wasn't in the room and um, didn't say much. wasn't wasn't very verbal really. Um, and was quite um, withdrawn and insular and, and almost like just looked numb almost within his eyes. And so when we started um, the music session and making music, which is it's essentially a conversation without words, um, he was sat on a cajon drum that you can, you can sit on and you can, and you can bash. Um, and he just lit up. When I say lit up, he was fully connected with the room and he looked happy. And that light that I could see in his eyes just, just made my day. I, I, I loved witnessing it and I've, I've been to so many sessions and I see it every time. And this is somebody who, um, like I'm in a band, I, 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 I write songs, I make music and I, and I do that. I do that weekly. And for this, for this guy that he, he did that. And now this is giving him that, giving him that back, but it's him. He, he's doing it. it. He's expressing himself and it's, it's just seeing somebody switched back on almost. And it's, it's profound and, and, and it's, it's, it's great. It's a joy to see. And just hearing you share that, I feel it. I, I get it. I, I connect. So is that the kind of example you've been sharing 
you've been more likely to share proactively to a supporter now com- yeah. compared to say six months ago. Yeah, and it's the it's the transformational. So it's going from um, what dementia looks like and feels like, what's the lived experience of that, to what what what's, what life can look like for somebody with dementia and music therapy in their life. And and I see it in people's eyes as I'm in a meeting with them. I see them get it because I'm talking about something that matters. It's real, and 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 I've I've, exper- I've experienced it and felt it, and I can authentically pass that on to somebody else and of course we invite people to see the sessions for themselves and that's all part of the 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 process of engaging and involving somebody but even in a meeting even in a meeting when I'm saying that to somebody else and it's a real story it has impact for somebody so Paul thank you ever so much for giving up your time to share these insights these little stories to help the listener understand more about uh, high value fundraising i really appreciate it huge congratulations on the progress you've made and the success of your new appeal so far i think that's amazing especially this year of all years and especially for an arts charity of all the kinds of cause that you're proving that it's it's doable uh, is is really inspiring to me and i hope that the listener will find it helpful too uh, i look forward to catching up with you again soon but for now best of luck with your fundraising Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed this interview with the irrepressible Paul Davies of Manchester Camerata. You can see a summary of the key ideas we discuss in the episode notes on the blog and podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. You can experience the same level of training and coaching support that Paul did through our Major Gifts Mastery Programme and our Corporate Partnerships Mastery Programme. Both programmes start again in October 2020, and at the time of publishing this episode, we're accepting bookings at the early bird discount. We've run these programmes for the last six years, helping hundreds of fundraisers like Paul to lift their skills and results. But please be aware, they always sell out. So if you're interested, do head over to our website to find out more, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services if you'd like to share today's episode with your colleagues or friends thank you ever so much as i say it helps us to get these ideas to reach and help more and more charities and if you want to get in touch paul's twitter name is at paul j underscore davies and i am at woods underscore rob and we're both on linkedin finally thank you so much for listening today i hope you enjoyed it and i look forward to sharing more bright spot ideas next week <music>